0: You are done with your Oreo? Yeah, <laughs> I'm done with my Oreo. Okay, good. Do um, you really he, know he, what he, happened? He, the brother did The brother, that's what I thought too! Yeah. I mean, that <laughs> seems like kind of obvious. Hey, do you want to talk <laughs> about
1: death? Yeah. This I mean, a mystery, I, that,
0: murdery, murdery thingy. I'm, 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 I'm,
1: I'm super relaxed. I'm ready
0: to... Yeah, this is going to be a more relaxed episode, I think. I want to
1: hear your story.
0: I want to hear the rest of your story, because you left us on a huge cliffhanger last time. Okay. Welcome to Mystery Murdery Thingy. Oh
1: yes, yes. Welcome to Mystery Murdery Thingy. My name where is Where we talk Chloe. about mysteries
0: and Chloe's. My name's Mario. We talk
1: about mysteries.
0: We talk about honestly, whatever the fuck we want to talk about.
1: Mysteries <laughs> and murderies and thingies. and thingies. Right.
0: And mystery. this one's a mystery. Yes.
1: This one's a mystery.
0: Mine is also a mystery. A murder mystery. So it's murder. A double murder mystery. And it's also gotcha, gotcha. a political assassination. Cuckoo, so, cuckoo,
1: cuckoo, cuckoo,
0: cuckoo, 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 no cuckoo, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. And so let's uh, let's Let's jump. do
1: a quick what? rewind. Okay, into let's... a quick summary. So just what? a little quick refresh.
0: Oh, were you going first?
1: You said you wanted to hear it.
0: Oh, <laughs> when we talked about it, like literally five minutes ago, <laughs> you were literally like Mario. You go first. <laughs> like just before we started recording, oh I my was God. like, "We should go first. You you're like, "But then you.
1: I thought we had like an agreement." I'm like sorry. when you literally said, "I want to hear it."
0: <laughs> okay, we'll go. I do. Oh, should I go?
1: Should I go? Yeah, okay. yeah you go. Okay. First.
0: You go first. Okay, I'm glad I worked out this way.
1: <laughs> um, so I'm talking about Treva Throneberry, right? A 16 year old girl who went missing in Electra, Texas, a small, a small tiny town. Uh, (laughs) She's a pretty normal girl, loves her Bible and her tennis racket. And then I started also talking about um, a girl who called herself Brianna Stewart and was also uh had a lot of stories to tell such as um her father raping her or being in a satanic cult and things such as that
0: should be pointed out things that didn't seem like they were true in her yes. particular instance yes in, in stewart her, yeah, also likes to
1: uh carry tennis rackets and bibles as well just gonna mm. put that out there um okay we're starting off with the many identities of Brianna Stewart. So, the pattern begins in 1993 in the little town of Corvallis, Oregon. There was a teenager named Kelly T. Throneberry. Kelly T. Throneberry Smith, working at a McDonald's and staying with a, f- a family that she had met at a church. Uh, she told people that she preferred the name Kaylee Smith even went to court in Corvallis uh, to change her name legally to Kaylee Smith, because uh, apparently she was hiding from her father, who lived in Dallas, and I guess she told officers that uh, one time he, he, he had found her, and um, uh, he forced her into his car and raped her. That's what she told officers. Um, but the police could never find Kaylee's father, and then eventually... Uh, Kaylee Smith disappeared. The next summer, she surfaced in Portland, telling the police there that she was on the run from her sexually abusive father, a Portland police officer. Uh, Yeah, she said, my dad's a Portland police officer and he's sexually abusing me and I'm on the run. Uh, There was an investigation opened, but Kaylee disappeared again. In the summer of 1994, in a town of Cordeline, Idaho, she popped up. She told the police that her name was Caroliana Davis and that her mother had been murdered and her father, a police officer, had raped her repeatedly as a child because he was in a satanic cult. Disappeared from Cordeline about two months later. She arrived in Plano, Texas. And told officers and social workers there that her name was Carol Williams, that she was 16 years old, and that she had been born and raised in a satanic cult. See some patterns here, right? Yeah. Similar things as, as before. She said her mother was murdered. She said her father was the cult leader who had raped her many times uh, as a child and uh, worked as a police officer as well in, in Coleyville, which is another town in Texas
0: so many patterns but i think i was also just kind of like remembering like this whole satanic cult thing seems so out of left field but in the early 90s we were seeing the second wave of the satanic satanic panic panic, right Mm -hmm. this was the resurgence of the satanic panic hardcore for many years in in the 90s into the 2000s so it was definitely in the zeitgeist and like for sure I, i could see where you know like assuming that no that it's not true right that she's making it up which it seems like she is that it's a convenient story because it's something people are primed to believe at the time so yeah. anyway I, th- that was just the thought i was having while you were talking no
1: about. that's true thank you for bringing that up yeah um one female detective even drove to coleyville and asked the police chief if he knew any officer who was kind of into satan you know One time, a volunteer for a social work agency took it upon herself to give Kara some some exposure. She she took her shopping and even went to a trip to Six Flags. Uh, Social workers moved her from shelter to shelter, trying to find a place where she would feel safe. At one shelter, she accused one of the male workers of sexually molesting her, which led her to be moved again. With each move, she was enrolled in a new high school. In the spring of nineteen ninety in the spring of nineteen ninety five alone, Kara attended high schools in Sadler, Sherman, and Dallas, Texas. And in each high school, she joined the tennis team. Hmm. Uh, Suzanne Arnold, the child protective services uh, worker who was supervising uh, Kara's case, uh, she she like bought she like bought her a new tennis racket as a gift. Um, to help her confidence in her skill. In September of 1995, Suzanne Arnold received a call from someone at the residential treatment center where Kara was staying. The person who was calling her happened to be from the little town of Electra, Texas. Mm. And said, quote, Suzanne, I think Kara is actually a 26-year-old woman named Treva Throneberry, end quote. What? Boom. So, the girl who called herself Kara Williams refused to speak, even when she was confronted with records, with photographs, they had handwriting samples, they had everything to prove her identity. But this is what I find so fascinating. Either she really truly believed that she was this person or she's a really, really good actress because she still had a whole amount of people on her side mm. who were like, how dare you treat this uh, like mistreated girl who's already suffered so much abuse and this, that, and the other thing. Um, but then it also makes me question, like, there's definitely abuse there somewhere.
0: And you said that there was documented abuse in the last episode from her uh, uncle, right?
1: Those were what the sisters were saying.
0: Right. Documented in the sense that, yeah, her sisters were also, like, yes. backing up that story. Yes. Whereas, and again, this the last step. Like, go back and listen to the first half. Cause, uh, but um, <clears throat> when when she was accusing her dad, they didn't back her up. So, like... Right. It, they seemed to have some credibility, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but like you said, clearly weird. there's, like, something where... It's coming from somewhere.
1: Yeah. Um, so... She was so adamant and so tearful and so broken, you know, and upset that multiple, like I said, she had a whole team on her side. Um, after a court hearing discharged her from government supervision, uh, she continued to maintain her identity as Carol Williams and she disappeared again. In June of 1996, a 16-year-old teenager named Emily Carol Williams arrived in Asheville, North Carolina, where she told police officers she was on the run from a cult in Texas. In August 1996, a 16-year-old girl named Stephanie Williams came to Altoona, Pennsylvania, where she told the police she was on the run from her father back in Memphis, Tennessee, who was involved in a cult and also was the head of a child pornography ring. A social worker Spotted Suzanne Arnold's name, one of her supervisors, in the girl's notebook, and so at that point, you know, some phone calls and and record checks proved that the girl was Trevor Thronberry. She was arrested and sent to jail for nine days for providing a false report to law enforcement. At one point, an Altoona social worker called Carl and Patsy, her like parent, her actual parents. And asked them to speak to their daughter to remind her who she was so she was a vet after those nine days you know she was eventually released from altoona jail and uh she goes on the road again showing up in quote louisiana new jersey and ohio where she'd show up at youth shelters carrying some luggage a teddy bear a bible a flute with sheet music and algebra homework end quote
0: where did she get the algebra homework
1: I forgot to mention that. She was super into algebra. She wasn't great at it, but she really liked it. And every single, like, time she went to high school and every single class she loved was algebra.
0: Such a weird I can't existence. remember if she
1: loved it or she hated it. I think she loved it.
0: <laughs> she was enthralled by it in no, I a love-hate she it. relationship. She
1: wasn't great at it. She had a complicated relationship She was She wasn't, gra- she wasn't she good at tennis either. <laughs> Sorry.
0: She was good at pretending she was other people. Is that or, a skill, or is
1: she pretending? Like that's the question.
0: Oh, right, sure. That's like part of the mist. My- that's like the mystery. Sure, sure. So,
1: right, she keeps she keeps doing the same thing. Uh huh. She kind of found that high school was her safe place, her refuge. Right. Sure. So here's a quote from the main article that I got. Quote: Why. Why had Trevor Thronberry used at least 18 teenage aliases since the early 90s? And why had she spun such gruesomely outlandish tales? Was she nothing more than a con artist pretending to be a downtrodden teenager to receive free foster care and free education? Was she afflicted with what doctors call psychiatric Munchausen syndrome, in which she intentionally feigned intense emotional distress to receive extra attention? Mm. Or was she slowly descending into an irreparable insanity, the likes of which no one had ever seen before? Was it indeed possible that by the time she entered Evergreen High School in 1997, she had completely forgotten the girl she had once been Nineteen eighty-five. End quote. Wow. So there's a lot to good quote to think about that. I know. Yeah. I was like, I can't summarize this in my own words. <laughs> right. Like, these words are better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So back to the arrest in in March of two thousand one. Okay. Uh, Flash for, forward for perjury and and theft. Uh huh. The detective explained that, uh, so now it's 2001, that she was a 31-year-old woman and that she had fraudulently received free foster care and free public education from the state of Washington. And the proof was the fingerprints that they had taken earlier. So they matched those of a woman from Altoona, Pennsylvania, by the name of Treva Throneberry. Um, And I don't know if I said this earlier, but she got... I don't know if this is still Wait. in the story or not. I talked about two lawyers. Mm. She hired a lawyer from, like, Portland and then an, a lawyer from Vancouver. And she didn't tell them oh, what they were doing. Right. You
0: mentioned that in the last episode. But yeah.
1: to get her... Because she, she was trying to get her social security
0: right, number. Right, right.
1: And they, one of them said let me take your fingerprints.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Just to make sure you're not somebody else. Right. And she said, okay.
0: Which, to me, the fact that she assented to that, and obviously we don't really know the circumstance, right? But you'd think that if she weren't, you know, if this were a con, a conscious con, that um, she would throw up some resistance to that. Like, obviously, that's going to come back to bite you. right? So, I mean, who knows, but... Yeah, that's definitely, like, to take into consideration.
1: It's wild. So, uh, so, yeah, so the proof, the fingerprints ended up being part of proof. Um, mm-hmm. And word about her arrest spread really quickly. Some people wanted her to get help, you know, psychiatric help, instead of being sent to prison. Michael Kinney, a, the Clark County Senior Deputy Prosecutor, argued that Trevor needed to be treated as a common criminal. He said that she knew exactly what she was doing, and she was a malicious liar, and she was dangerous. Uh, Note that the security guard that she falsely reported for rape had actually served time in prison. Uh, But once her, you know, she was found out, uh, it was expunged. Hmm. So, there was still more support for there was still support on Trevor's side though when her sisters came out to the public about the b- abuse that they all suffered with their uncle mm-hmm. um one of Trevor's attorneys pointed out that if she if she was an evil con artist she would have picked wouldn't she have picked a more glamorous life than being a homeless teenager
0: mm. you know right i mean like this I don't remember her name, but there was, like, that woman recently, right, found out who was, like, pretending to be some heiress, European heiress, oh, right? Oh, um,
1: my girl. Oh. I
0: can't remember her name. But, like, clearly she was a con artist who was, like, conning people out of money by pretending she was rich. Like, there was no, like, gray area where it's like, oh, well, is, is she, like, sick or, like, mentally ill Like, no, she was a con artist, but this is so, so great. The
1: fact that I can't think of her name right now is killing me. We'll
0: look it up later. It's fine. Oh,
1: okay. (sighs) Sorry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I heard it recently, but I can't, I can't remember either.
1: So, and he also argues, quote, this case is not about fraud, but about a tremendous emptiness and need a trauma very early in her life. End quote. The greatest mystery about the story was why Trevor Thronberry still refused to admit who she was. She never, ever cracked. Uh, she had been caught in Plano, Texas in 1995. Uh, she had been caught in Altoona, Pennsylvania in 96 and now Vancouver, Washington in 01. Uh, declared in, She declared in letters and, and interviews that she had never even heard of Treva Thronberry. Uh, When her niece, uh, Jaleesha, wrote her, she says that Trevor responded with a letter for her own, quote, Dear Jaleesha Throneberry, I'm sorry to tell you this. I don't know who you are, end quote. In court, she went ahead and played as her own defense attorney. is As is her right. Sure. (laughs) Uh, She had fired her court-appointed attorneys. When she found out that they were planning on arguing, that she was she was Trevor Thornberry, but didn't know she was committing a crime because she truly believed she was Brianna Stewart. Uh, right. pro, the prosecutor Michael Kinney brought in, so he's the one who's like she is a criminal. Um, brought in hard ass, yes. Brought in Sharon Gentry, Trevor's foster mom from fifteen years ago.
0: Mm the uh, one whose husband was accused apparently falsely by Trevor at the time if i if i recall right. correctly
1: right no it was her she accused her own father carl
0: but i thought she also accused the foster father of something
1: maybe that's why she got kicked out
0: i think so i'm pretty sure
1: i think you're right right i think you're right
0: okay <laughs> we can all go back and check
1: we can all go back and check
0: um (laughs) anyway please go on
1: and so she testified that she had known trevor when she was 15 years old and then she brought in photos as proof Mm -hmm. um and people still talk about this it being like a very heartbreaking moment in of the trial that uh sharon gentry was kind of an unexpected witness you Mm. know Trevor walked up to the stand and said, quote, this Trevor in these pictures, what was she like? And Gentry said, quote, she was a fine. She was a very polite young lady. She enjoyed church. She enjoyed tennis. She had a wooden tennis racket. She was always very appropriate, very thankful. She always apologized if she hurt my feelings, end quote. And then Trevor says, was Trevor smart? Gentry says oh yes she loved to read and really enjoyed school activities she made good grades Trevor, did she work hard Gentry she worked very hard she tried hard Trevor was a wonderful young woman and then she replies oh thank you and then like dismisses her yeah
0: that's just bizarre it's like so you think I'm this person and now I'm asking you questions Oh, like Uh, If someone wrote that into a Law & Order episode, I'd think it was too ridiculous to be (sighs) real. Like, that's so crazy.
1: Uh, Trevor Trevor Brianna, I'll call her at the moment, didn't provide much evidence to counter Kenny's arguments in in general. Uh, She brought up friends and teachers who knew her and uh, to testify on her behalf that all, all she wanted was a social security number and to get on with her life. That's all she wanted. So the verdict, the jury found Trevor thrown very guilty and the judge sentenced her to three years in prison. The judge wished, so at first he did want to send her to a hospital for treatment, but mm. prison was was the only legal option because Washington state had very little options mm. for, for mental health services for inmates. Uh, so it was really the only option.
0: As is so often the case in America. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, her attorney, uh, Jerry Ware, said, there's no, quote, there's no question in my mind, having spent as much time with her as I have, that she is, she is of the opinion that she is Bri- Brianna Stewart, end quote. So some, some theories to go over. The mystery that psychologists social workers and psychiatrists and anybody who looks in anybody on the the medical side of things looks into this case um they argue about how much treva actually remembered about her past some argued her past abuse from her uncle had been like a physical trauma disconnecting memories in her brain um one professor Pro- professor of psychology said the abuse could have set off what is known as a dissociative fugue, a type mm. of amnesia in which she didn't know how she got where she was or why she was there. Others suggested she could have had um, multiple personality disorder. So, you know, she created lots of these other personalities um, uh, to deal with the abuse. Mm. Uh, A psychologist who had actually examined her for for several days in Texas in 1995 was intrigued by her sincerity when she talked of satanic rituals and gang rape. He wrote in his report, quote, There was nothing in her behavior or presentation to suggest that she was knowingly misrepresenting the facts, end quote. Mm -hmm. Also, why did she give the attorney from Portland her fingerprints? Um... And she also demanded that DNA tests be done against her parents. And the test result uh, was that it was a 99.93% chance that she was the daughter of Carl and and Patsy uh kenneth muscatel a psychologist from seattle who was hired to examine trevor said quote if it is what people think a woman needing to go back to a certain age and relive it again and again then it would be one for the books here is a woman who invents stories to get love and affection she had never known in her home yet a woman so profoundly disturbed that she ends up turning on the very people who are trying to help her accusing them of abuse end quote trevor Thronberry was eventually released from jail The last time she was heard of was in 2016 in Lacey, Washington. And I found like an original article about the incident. Mm. Uh, It was reported in The Olympian. Suspect in hotel assault cleared of charges. The article talks about a hotel employee by the name of Brianna Kenzie who had been working the night shift and quote said an unknown man st- snuck up behind her, held her up against the building and attempted to spread her legs with his knee. She told police she hit the man in the head with a flashlight End quote, the man who was accused, this guy named Michael Caton ended up getting arrested. And this, his story was that this woman was trying to steal his meth and he pushed her and then she punched him in the nose. Uh, so then they start looking at her criminal past, and they saw why she had gone to jail for three years. And so she was fired. Hmm. And that's...
0: They found out she was actually Trevor Thronberry. The end of that. Yeah. I that can't believe she story. used 18 aliases over a year or two years. like Or, um, or several years, I guess. I think but... six,
1: 1995 to 2001.
0: That's just... Yeah, I just can't imagine that. I, yeah, it's just crazy. What do you think? I i I've tend to, I guess, fall more on the side of it being some kind of... That she was less aware of it than more aware of it. She didn't seem like a criminal. Like, what she was doing it technically was criminal, but she didn't seem conscious of it. I That's what I would... I don't know. What do you think?
1: I think the same yeah I think if I could put it into like a percentage she's like 75 percent believes that she is Brianna Stewart and 25 percent you know aware I don't know I feel like she always disappeared at the right times so it's it's like people are trying to help her and then she's Gets up and leaves. What
0: I'm wondering, I guess, partly, too, and obviously, like, neither of us is a psychologist. Like, we don't really know anything about these things. But if you have multiple personality disorder, at least the way it's portrayed in media, like, movies and stuff, is that one personality can be aware of things that another personality is not aware of. Why? So maybe there's a personality that's, like, sort of, like, takes over. And then it's, like, she transitions into, like, the new personality after that. And just, like, wakes up in a new town, and it's like, I'm this person, and truly believes it. Because, like, the pathology is that that's what's happening, right? Who knows? Again, I don't, I don't really know, but I think that's possible. Perhaps, maybe. I don't know.
1: My mind is blown.
0: Or maybe that's she was aware story. of it the whole time, and she just really wanted to stay in high school into her 30s. I don't know.
1: It's a good story. It's right? a good
0: mystery. And it's an interesting mystery because it's like not an obvious, right? It's not like, because she obviously did all these things, but why? That's the mystery.
1: Yeah, it's... It's a good one. I like it. It's why, and it's also like...
0: Did you say your sources? Is she or aware? Did you want to do oh, that? crap.
1: Well, now it's going to take a second for my laptop to start that's back Because okay. she's well loved. You she know, we is. said
0: at the beginning this can be a little bit of a relaxed episode, so... Relaxed. That's fine. A relaxed episode why don't you
1: uh why don't we all do sources at the end okay I had a really nice long oh here it is I had a really nice long form article um oh my god I didn't write it down
0: that's okay.
1: We'll talk about it after. Okay,
0: so I'll jump into my mystery for this week. And like I said, it's a murder mystery, and and, and it's another assassination. Murder. Murder. Yeah. Murder. Um, and it is the murder of Robert and Jean Cora Smith. Which is funny that you, you you said one of her aliases was Smith. Yeah. Like, not Smith, but Smith. Yeah. And that's, that's their name as well, so that's kind of that's a weird funny. coincidence. But anyway... Um, So in 1977, Dr. Robert Smith was a young, up-and-coming politician um, in the very much globally ostracized apartheid-era South African government, right? The Afrikaner government, as it it was known. Um, And if, you know, just um, uh, a little bit, um, the apartheid government, uh, apartheid in South Africa was generally from the mid-40s to the early to mid-90s. Um, and Robert Smith had served in stints in the Afrikaner government, uh, but also in business, um, including his most recent assignment at at this time, the ambassador to the International Monetary Fund in New York City. The International Monetary Fund being a global um, sort of intergovernmental agency that makes large loans to nations, like oh, for development. That's-
1: Okay, that's kind of
0: nuts. Yeah, it's like the IMF and the World Bank. They're like the two main ones that they do that sort of thing. Um so Robert Smith was also rumored to be the next treasury secretary for South Africa. So mm-hmm. he was like, you know, about to be real big. Um but he would end up being along with his wife Jean Cora found dead on November 22nd oh, of wow. 1977. And uh the crime remains a baffling mystery um up and up until now. And uh, one of my sources, um, again, one of those good, they phrased it better than I could, um, mm-hmm. described it um, like this. Quote, researching the case means slowly making one's way through this fog of disinformation and mm-hmm. denial. Trying to get the truth over three decades on is like trying to hit from a great distance one blurred and fleeting target among many. Close quote.
1: Oh, God. So,
0: it, it, again, as with all of ours, right? it's a mystery. Um, but just a little context first, South Africa, like I said, at this time existed in a sort of wholly racially segregated society, right? An apartheid, um, which, which is, a—I um, I forget what language it's from, but I think it's Afrikaans meaning apartness. Um, and of course this is something that's existed in America for a long time, um, in other countries, but apartheid itself comes from the South African Um, context, specifically. So the white descendants of, you know, Dutch, English occupiers of South Africa were referred to as the Afrikaner. And as with many children of these white settlers, Robert Smith went back to England for his higher education, Mm. um, or at least in part. So he went to Oxford on a Rhodes Scholarship. um, And unlike most of those children, he went on to get a doctorate in economics and uh, serve also as the uh, Deputy Secretary of Finance by the time he was, like, in his mid-30s. So this okay. guy, when I said up-and-coming, yeah, he was, like, rocket. Um, so after his time at the IMF, which ended on Halloween Day 1974, uh, Robert Smith returned to South Africa to stand for election, as they, they call it, Right. Um, for the National Party, which is the, I think at the time, the biggest party in South Africa, um, from his hometown of Springs, uh, South Africa. The election was held on November 30th, 1974, about a week after uh, he was killed. Uh, Sorry, 77. I don't know why I wrote 74. In the weeks leading up to his killing, Robert uh smith had been really busy he had just come back to the country like i said uh preparing for the upcoming election he and his wife Jean cora had just rented a new house in mm. springs uh leaving their children at their second home in pretoria Ooh,
1: how nice i know right uh well
0: like I said he was like gonna be the finance minister right i mean he wasn't as rich as steve mnuchin i'm sure but still pretty rich i'm sure
1: i don't know steve mnuchin is.
0: No, he's, he's the treasury secretary for the united states Okay. And he's real rich, like <laughs> many people in this administration. But anyway, that's like a whole other tangent that I don't need to get into.
1: Um,
0: on the morning of November 22nd, the day of the crime, Robert went into work as usual at his election office. At 3.15 p.m. that day, according to his receptionist, Sarah Lombard, Smith received a call from a mysterious man calling himself McDougal weird, who wanted to, quote, talk about politics with Robert. Mm-hmm. Um, she patched the call through, and according to his diary, Robert made arrangements to meet this mysterious, quote-unquote, McDougal at 8 p.m. that night.
1: What? Whose idea is this?
0: I know, right? <laughs> so this is setting up like a uh, uh, Agatha Christie mystery, right? <laughs> Meanwhile, Yo, Jean Cora...
1: Agatha Christie, her death is a mystery, too. Is it? I didn't... She, like, oh, straight up disappeared.
0: That. Ooh. We'll have to do that one. Anyway. Maybe maybe soon. Um, meanwhile, Jean Cora had been... Uh, Robert Smith's wife had been um, driven home by their driver, Daniel Tshabala. Uh, Tshabalala. Sorry. <laughs> I practiced that one, too. I know you did. It's tough. Because
1: I heard you. I know, right?
0: Uh, Tshabalala. <laughs> Or something. Anyway, sorry, Daniel. The couple's driver. Um, he testified at the inquest that he left Mrs. Smith alone in her home at six fifty p.m. that night, and she locked the door behind him. Sometime between seven fifteen p.m. and seven forty-five, Cora uh, Jean Cora called Doctor Smith's office and told him that quote his guests are waiting for him." Don't know what that means exactly. That's creepy. Based on the forensic analysis of the crime scene, it appears that Jean Cora was shot just after hanging up from this call.
1: How do they know that?
0: Because she was slumped over the table where the phone was with her arm outstretched.
1: Oh my god.
0: Yeah. So apparently it was kind of obvious. In the lounge of their home, Robert, not knowing this, of course, promptly left his office and was seen driving away just before 8 p.m., when he arrived home, he was, quote, shot in the neck from a few paces away, what the close fuck? quote. Immediately. It appears that the killer then walked up to the body and shot Robert at close range again, three more times in the chest, in the back, in the head.
1: Oh, God, that's so
0: fucked up. Just to make sure, right? Um, ballistics indicated that two weapons were used, as Robert and Gene Corer were shot with different calibers of bullets. And as with many aspects of this case, the exact timeline here is somewhat mysterious because a neighbor claimed to have heard gunshots at 11.15pm, but it appeared that they that they were shot earlier than that. So everything about this case, it's, it, it's just a little bit um, unclear. But in any case, at 7am the next morning, Daniel, the Smiths driver, arrived and found the bodies of his now former employees, uh, employers. Uh, Robert's body was found in the foyer. Gene Corp is, like I said, in the lounge, slumped over the phone.
1: I thought he was driving.
0: Um, well, w- when Robert got home, he was shot. And then oh, they, when he got home, okay. And then they may have also dragged his body kind of further into the house. It's oh. not totally clear. So, um, investigators also discovered that Robert, in addition to being shot multiple times, had been stabbed. What? Fourteen times.
1: What? How, uh, why? A, How, do they know which one happened first?
0: Um, I mean the, the it seems like the knife probably after after the, the gunshots, I'd imagine. Um, but but the, the the stabbings were definitely post-mortem. Um, they, they do know that. That's so fucked up. Yeah, Ugh. and apparently it was done with this it seems this kind of knife called a stiletto, which is a very long, slender bladed knife.
1: Oh, like a shoe?
0: Well, that's what the shoe's named after, yeah. Oh.
1: Um, and,
0: and apparently this kind of, like, stiletto, it's, it's like, uh, meant for stabbing.
1: Oh, it's meant for, that's nice.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's like a, you know, like an assassin's weapon, I guess, kind of. I'm not sure. So, um, very cryptically, also, the letters, quote, R-A-U-T-E-M, kind of like R-A-U is one block, T-E-M is another block, in big, uh, bold uh, letters had been spray painted in red across the fridge and the kitchen walls what? And, and, and it's really not clear if what this has to do with anything or if it does have to do with anything
1: it had to be political
0: one of my main sources thought that this whole thing with the, the spray paint and everything may have been kind of a red herring to make the killing look like the work of a sort of deranged lunatic but instead, like you're saying, it was political. It was, like, a hit job, right? Because that's, like, what most things are pointing to. But this whole thing with, with the spray paint and whatever, like, it, it's not clear that that has anything to do with anything necessarily. Another of the lingering mysteries that were kind of baffling investigators at this time was the true identity of the so-called McDougal, right, that had called Smith's office earlier mm. in the day, that he had written in his diary he was to meet, at you know, almost the precise time of his death. Oh my God! Um, reportedly, this McDougal sort of moniker was a pseudonym that Smith had used with friends since college. If that has anything again to do with okay. anything, it's not clear. Apparently, Robert Smith had also told different people um, that he was was going to have a meeting that that night and and it wasn't totally clear who it was going to be with to some people he seemed to tell it was like with opposition voters like op- opposition of the national party voters um and other people he he told that it was just like undesirable people like people he didn't want to meet with but he had to so not clear who that would be another mystery is why um why would anyone want to kill robert smith right what is what is the motive here political sure but particularly And we do have some ideas of what that might be, actually, very definite ideas of what that might be. Um, The theory that that came up the most, definitely, and seemed the most substantiated in my research was that Robert Smith had uncovered some kind of um, malfeasance being perpetrated by sort of higher-ups in the Afrikaner government, um, misappropriation of funds, Um, is the why are you smiling
1: at me like
0: that it's just like the uh, I don't know whenever I'm reading about this people use so many different um, what's it called uh they don't they don't say what they mean they call it something else right oh
1: euphemisms
0: euphemisms exactly because you can't just say i guess like oh this person in government stole a shit ton of money you have to say like it was a misappropriation of funds (laughs) or whatever right
1: something you can type in an email
0: Uh, right but essentially he found out apparently allegedly that people in the government in south africa and this happens in a lot of different governments were funneling money not to where they're supposed to go, but to like Swiss bank accounts, like, Aye, literally Swiss yay, bank yay, accounts
1: yay,
0: yay. and accounts in America. Um, so yeah, the, the thinking is he, he sort of uncovered this. And by all accounts, Robert was a straight shooter. If one who was willing to work for a completely racist government, of course, you always have to remember that. But, um, Robert may have been tipped off When, um, he was kind of lobbying for loans for South Africa, right at the IMF as the ambassador. Um, when he was told by some American friends that, why do you need to, why does South Africa need loans? You have all this money in American accounts, $70 million. Like he had friends in the banks, right? Who knew this. And they were like, your government has $70 million sitting in bank accounts in America. Like, why do you need a loan? And he's like, what, what do you mean? $70 million sitting in bank accounts in America, (laughs) he didn't know about it no one knew about it they were secret this was money that had been stolen like this is what he was kind of uncovering right he came to find out
1: oh that's weird which has
0: got to be pretty crazy from his end right so
1: so did somebody so somebody accidentally spilled the beans
0: exactly they accidentally spilled the beans because they i guess didn't know it was like whatever that they that the south african people that's didn't ki- know. that's
1: kind of i feel like I would add that into a comedy, like
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. It it is kind of a comedic situation. In a yeah. Way.
1: So, what, did, what are you talking about? We, do, we got seventy million in the banks, so right?
0: Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, there there were all these decla- uh, undeclared funds, um, and this was you know a sign of kind of a larger problem, um, Robert. Um, this is kind of the larger problem, Robert also discovered the names of at least 20 U.S. politicians who were being paid off by the South <gasps> African government. No Including senators.
1: No. Yeah.
0: And there's this whole weird shit at the time, apparently, between, like, the Chilean government right under Pinochet and the South African government with the Afrikaners and the CIA. And it's just, like, a whole mess of weird shit going on. Yeah, I might get into some more of that in a future episode. I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna buy a book on Operation Condor soon. So look forward to that. So many press reports at the time, at the time of Robert Smith's death, in other words, hinted at some kind of illegal financial scheme, right? Using all of these euphemisms um, that Robert was about to uncover when he was killed. So. Clearly a motive is emerging here, right? According to a friend of Robert's as well, Emerantia uh, Leibenberg, speaking to the Sunday Times, quote, Robert Smith had told her that he had decided to approach a senior cabinet minister about a matter that would rock the nation and go right to the top, close quote. uh People at the very top of the government, in other words, involved in this financial malfeasance. Members of Robert's campaign, his campaign for the parliament in South Africa, also indicated that he had told them that he w- that he would, like, expose something, right, really big. Like, he didn't want to say what it was, but he was like, something's coming. Like, once I get elected, like, just prepare because I'm gonna, like, rock the shit. Is that a f- rock the boat. Is that a phrase? That's not a phrase. It's okay. rock the boat. Rock, I'm gonna rock the boat hard, <laughs> and it's gonna have some shit in it. No, not good. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Don't his- tip
1: the oar over. I think that's what it. Is. It's like a softball chant.
0: <laughs> Don't rock the boat, rock the
1: boat, baby. Yeah. Boat. Don't tip the boat over. That's exactly what it
0: is. Right. <laughs> um. His brother, Robert's brother, Ian Smith, had also indicated that Robert had told him of unspecified political wrongdoings, and that uh, Robert would soon expose them um, in is a visit he that, uh, people that. I know. He was- well. <sighs> Because it was big, you know, and he, it, he was, I guess he was excited about it, right? I mean, he he it wanted to be, you know, the good guy, right? Um, yeah,
1: you're about to, like, I understand. Yeah.
0: And um, if we needed any further substantiation, right, in fact, there was a financial scandal, a huge financial scandal that was exposed soon after Robert wow. Smith and Jean Cora's death, um, which did, in fact, involve the prime minister, one of the leaders of the National Party and the chief, uh, the chief of the Bureau for State Security, known as Boss. Wow. And it did not, of course, escape the notice of people at the time that, or afterwards, that there was this huge political stand- scandal just after the Smiths were murdered, possibly because they were about to expose a huge political scandal. Uh, yeah. right? Like, again, clearly this is what's going on.
1: Sounds uh, familiar to what's happening right now, does it not? <laughs> Perhaps.
0: In other words, sp- suspicions fell heavily on those government officials involved in the Financial malfeasance. Um, I just love saying the word malfeasance. I'm sorry. I've said it like eight times. Obviously, none of these suspicions was ever proved, right? Because it's a mystery. That's why I'm fucking talking about it. But a sense has pervaded since that this was a hit carried out by the Afrikaner government, that it was political, as you were saying earlier. This apparently shocked the conscience. We don't know any gunmen. What's that?
1: We don't know any gunmen. I don't know
0: any gunmen. um it's the worst. despite being from Texas uh this apparently this this whole thing with Robert Smith being killed maybe by the government right apparently shocked the conscience of the nation um although again it's a bit discordant thinking about the fact that they were living in you know where a country that uh, was just routinely murdering and worse black people throughout the whole nation the whole time that's just always a little discordant with me when i'm reading about stuff from the uh, apartheid era that doesn't talk about that, which is, like, it's just swept under the rug for, like, all this time. Anyway, it's just crazy. So, anyway, fast forward to the apartheid, uh, to after the apartheid regime that, um, per- perpetuated that racial terror, you know, that we were talking about. Um, so this is kind of, like, the mid-90s, and the Truth and Reconciliation Commission that followed that, and that commission, um, unlike with some other cases, did not reveal the truth about what happened with the Smith murders. People thought it was going to, but it, it didn't end up coming out through that. Huh. Like, like some other high-profile crimes were solved that way, or more or less, right? But it did reveal some more information. So in 1997, Roy Allen, although he was only called RA in the official documents, a former member of the security police was named as the chief suspect in the case. Allen had been dating Robert Smith's secretary at the time he was killed, and the two had been briefly acquainted. Um, now Roy Allen suggested that the Smiths were probably care that they were probably murdered by a foreign hit squad, perhaps at the direction of the government. So he said, "It's not the security service. I wasn't involved, but I'm not saying it couldn't have been the South African government. But if it was the South African government, then it was probably a foreign hit squad, not a domestic hit squad. Just saying, right?" Yeah. <laughs> Um, nevertheless, a 2006 report in the publication Beald cited high-level intelligence sources claiming that the Smits had been murdered by three members of the security police. Dries Verwey, Phil Freeman, who had used the Mr. McDougall pseudonym in the 80s, and Roy Allen.
1: I thought you said you didn't have any gunmen.
0: Oh, I thought you meant in real life. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, there there are a few. There's there's one more name that'll arise. Sorry, I didn't I didn't realize what you meant.
1: So I didn't get it.
0: Um, a 2009 report linked a man named Talifer Tai Minar, an associate of Allen and Freeman, to the killings. Even claiming that he had repented for the crime in later years, saying that what? quote his orders had come from the very top, but that he now regretted the whole dirty business. Close quote. Now this is that's hearsay, right? So
1: it's not like reported
0: i mean it's it's reported that someone told a reporter that that he told them that, so it 's hearsay
1: i can't even follow that chain it's it's third hand
0: information <laughs> and to us this to to the listeners it's fourth hand information, so take it <laughs> as you will. Minar had a mysterious past, including working alongside the CIA in Cuba in the (laughs) mid-1970s before returning to South Africa. Um, Another theory called the quote-unquote lost theory Hmm. by my source James Myberg, which was kind of my main source, goes like this. Okay, Myberg claims that the uh this theory mysteriously fell out of the public consciousness soon after it, after it arose but the idea is that um it had something to do with a foreign hit squad like Ray Allen suggested and particularly that it was the Cuban nationalist movement and the CIA um that may have been involved with this as well why is this so deep i know it, it run, runs it runs pretty deep um this this one's like a, it's like a Really, really mis- mysterious case. So, um, yeah, um, as has been extensively documented, there were extensive ties between the CIA and the Cuban nationalist movement um, in exile in the 70s and 80s. I mean, I talked about that in the last episode about Johnny Roselli, right? Yeah. Um, there were also a lot of connections between the security services of South Africa, Chile, and the United States at the time, as we mentioned earlier. It may be that the, through these connections, the South African government hired the hitmen, i.e. the Cuban exiles, who carried out the Smith murderers, um, ah. as Chile had allegedly used such hitmen to carry out various hits in different countries around the si- same time, with a similar M.O. And it was also suggested that the Chilean secret um, uh, security services may have um, actually, done surveillance for the operation, and then the Cuban exiles came in after them and did the hit themselves. All, of wow. course, overseen by the South African security services what? to make sure everything was going smoothly. What? So, there may actually have been three different entities involved in this. It runs deep.
1: This is wild. And wide.
0: It's crazy. Um, allegedly. All of this is purely speculation. <laughs> Um This is the, badass. Right. I
1: mean, no, it's terrible. It's fuck it is terrible. But <laughs> I wouldn't mind seeing I would not mind seeing an action movie based on it.
0: It should be a movie. Maybe it has been, I don't know. Um keeping in mind, of course, always that Robert and Gene Smith were people who didn't deserve to die. Like I don't yeah, want to in right. any way like glamorize I their mean, death or it's anything. It's pretty it's fucked like up. that. I mean, they died in a yeah, very gruesome way that no one fucking deserves. But
1: I, like it to me to me what got me when you started talking about that is the like you don't even have time to process that you've been shot. You're just immediately dead. Like, what? Right. Like, uh, uh, too much for me. But again, it seems too like much. a hit,
0: right? It seems it seemed,
1: the like a shots, professional hit. The stabbing was weird.
0: Yeah, that part of it is really weird. Um, I don't know what, honestly, I don't know what to make of that at all. So, another one more hitman, one more name. Uh, the trigger man in this theory, the loss theory. Um, at least one of them, would have allegedly be um, a man uh, sometimes known as Virgilio Paz, a young operations man from the Cuban nationalist movement, according to one of my sources. Um, an anonymous source also claimed that um, claimed decades later that um, he was actually the driver, the anonymous source was the driver, and he actually ID'd Paz as one of the hit team, along with four other people. Other names, um, connected to the Cubans were thrown around, but they all had a pretty plausible, like, including some of the people that guy named, um, alibi for the time, Mm. but not Paz. His whereabouts were, um, uh, documented before and after November 22nd of 1977, but not, like, that week. So, it's, like, possible. He he could have been there. Mm. Um... So anyway, absent a sort of dramatic revelation, right? Which which seems like pretty unlikely. This case is probably going to stay a big morass of mysteries. Um, the South African authorities have nominally kept the case open all these years, but the investigation doesn't seem like it's really gonna go anywhere. So, according to James Myberg, um, the local authorities also have essentially ignored the possibility of foreign involvement, so they're not even really looking into that at all as a possibility. He also believes that if there was foreign involvement, that there is much more to reveal since that kind of large-scale operation, like we were talking about, like others committed as part of Operation Condor, would have involved many different entities from different countries. Like, there would just be so many more parties involved, and and how did-
1: one person's death?
0: Well, and two people's death, but- Or, of course. Um... Furthermore, Myberg highlights that while it's almost assumed that Robert and Jean Cora Smith were murdered because of their financial, you know, misdeeds uncovered by Robert, right? Um, we really don't no- we don't know that. Um we don't know what was going on. We don't know what the real motive was. So while it seems obvious that it is a political hit job, really, we have no idea at all.
1: Do you think this one will ever be solved?
0: I think it, I think it will, because some, I think if it'll come out, somebody's like child or grandchild will say they confessed to them or something, but it'll be like the other big mystery is We, we won't believe it. Like, will it ever be solved to everyone's satisfaction? No, but the Lincoln assassination isn't solved to everyone's satisfaction. Like <laughs> these things just like persist, but it, it, for now it is extremely mysterious um so like I said James Myberg was my main source writing at uh, politicsweb.co.za and also an article by Nick Dahl at uh, ozy.com, uh, Karen Dolly at iol and of course Wikipedia.
1: My source my main source was a long form article by Skip Hollinsworth in Texas Monthly.
0: I've read many articles by it was Skip a great article. he's a great he's a great writer.
1: It's good it's called um The Day the day Trevor Thronberry disappeared. So
0: yeah, he, he's he's want to write uh, long form articles. It's really he's good. An excellent writer.
1: And then my other source was the news article um, in the Olympian by Andy Hobbs when in twenty the twenty sixteen news article when like the 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 story of mm-hmm. this guy being cleared on assault charges and the accuser was fucking Trevor <laughs> Thronberry. <laughs> fuck. Yeah,
0: that's crazy. Okay, let's do some weird Weird shit shit in the news.
1: Weird shit in the news. news. Ah.
0: Weird. I'll go first, I guess. Um, So, I just want to let you guys know, someone left old TVs outside 50 homes in Virginia while wearing a TV on his head. No one knows why. That's the, <laughs> that's the headline of this article by Hannah N- <laughs> Natanson. How high whatever. is this guy? Oh my God. Um, there is video because of course there's video. It's 2019 and uh, from ring door bells and, uh, you should go and look at it. But yeah, um, at least one person and maybe two left more than 50 old TVs sitting on the stoops of different, uh, homes in Henrico County, Virginia um, very early or late, I guess, depending on how you think about it, um, one night recently, and, uh, they were all just sitting there, um, peacefully facing the door, they were all the same, and, uh, no one was hurt, some people were amused, others were slightly disturbed, no one knows what the fuck is going on, <laughs> or why anyone did this, or who it was, and honestly, it doesn't seem like anyone is that interested in finding out, but um, yeah, just very weird.
1: That is too much for me. <laughs>
0: hey, none of them was a bomb, so I think it's great because That's that was. True. If I saw a fucking TV sitting on my stoop and I didn't know why it was there, I'm sorry. In this day and age, I'd think it was a bomb.
1: <gasps> there is a, but it wasn't. Great, just to be clear, there was a great video of a woman in the. I think she films it after she finds out, but she receives this package with some thing. She doesn't know what the fuck it is. Uh, and she's freaking out. And she's calling. She's like, I think it's a bomb. I think it's a bomb. And they come. And it's like the part that they ordered to fix their washing machine or oh. something like that. And it's something her husband deals with. Oh, okay.
0: And he wasn't home. So I she's see. like
1: crying of laughter and like recording this. And she's like, look at this thing. What do you think this looks like? And <laughs> that's
0: great. And I was
1: like, it does look like a bomb. Right.
0: Um, I have one. Yay.
1: Called... <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's by Sarah
1: Cascone in what Art What is your World. article named? <laughs> Artnet News. A 12-year-old boy found an ancient wooly mammoth tooth during a vacation in Ohio.
0: Good for you, so, son. I mean, what Good the, the hell?
1: I wanna Some find people pro- have all the Do luck. Do you think he got paid? No. What? I'd want to sell it. I'd be like, 10 grand or no deal. I'm pretty
0: sure it's illegal to sell something like that. <laughs> You're probably
1: right. Um... But I guess... Oh, my computer just died. Oh, no. <laughs> anyway. Oh, my God. Um, that's pretty cool. I don't know what they did with it. I'm so sorry.
0: Do you <laughs> so want me to tell you? Because I also read yes, the article. Yes, please. Say Okay, I it. slightly remember. So, he was really excited. Um, if I recall correctly, his dad and maybe his uncle are, like, really into archaeology and stuff. Um, and, yeah, he was going to th- show all his friends... Nice. And they think he's really cool. That's a great fly. Um Which makes me think he's a nerd, which is good. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and then um, they said that they were going to maybe look, you know, some. they showed it to some professors and stuff from, you know, nearby universities. And uh, the place where they found it was saying they would love to put it on display at some point if the little boy is done with showing all his friends. <sighs> good story. Good shit in the news. Uh, good shit. Oh, and I tweeted... My story. <laughs> so if that you want to go on like, my Twitter, you can see that story.
1: That sounds like something that would come out of your butt.
0: <laughs> tweeter?
1: I tweetered today. <laughs> That's what that sounds like.
0: That w- is that a weird shit? Is that a, is that a good joke? No? Is that that too tweeter
1: gross? is the weird shit? Yeah. No, no actually, that makes sense. Oh, okay, good. You have a poop you don't understand? Yeah, dude, I tweetered today. It
0: was a tweeter. I don't get it.
1: I think it's time to end the episode.
0: <laughs> it, 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 it is. Uh, thanks for listening, y'all. Thank you
1: guys so much. Happy Wednesday. Still
0: technically Wednesday.
1: It is Wednesday. <laughs> and um, yeah, follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, and um Insta.
0: All the stuff. Okay, bye.
1: Goodbye. Oh, I forgot about mine.